0: Hi there everyone and uh, welcome to this Led by Love uh, podcast. Uh, we're starting, as many people know, a new series of teaching on Sunday mornings uh, called Led by Love. Uh, and it's really inspired by the ongoing conversation we're having as a church together about what our leadership looks like in the shape of our leadership team, how we listen to each other, how we listen to God, how we discern what he's doing. So uh, we're hoping to delve deeply into this theme uh, of what it means not to be led by necessity or led by um, kind of tradition, but what it means to be led by love and the God God who is love. Uh, so as part of that, we're having these conversations together with with others. I just love to bounce this stuff around with, and I'm thrilled today uh, to have Reverend Haley Haley Young, uh, who many of us here at, at Bethel will know. She was in regional ministry uh, here in South Wales, uh, and then abandoned. So, I didn't abandon us. She was called on uh, to a role that we'll talk about in in just a second. Uh, I think it was traditional, and not traditional, quite the opposite actually, transitional (laughs) and strategic lead uh, in the Northern Baptist Association. So looking forward to uh, gleaning some of that um, experience today. Uh, And it's great to have uh, Andy, Andy Gibbs uh, with us, who again, uh, most people from Bethel will know, a member with us, uh, a hospital chaplain uh, here, well, I was going to say in Cardiff, but far beyond it as well. Uh, That's four days a week. Uh, what we're going to dive into this morning is what happens on that fifth day. Uh, some of us here in, in leadership will, will know of that because we've benefited from it, uh, especially while I've been seconded to the local association here. Uh, but to talk about kind of what he's seen of different leadership styles and teams and structures. Uh, so great to have you both here because you both bring a wealth of experience, but also a sort of a an overview as well, which which I'm hoping will be really really helpful. Uh, so, we're going to start with with you Haley. if that's alright. So, transitional and strategic lead. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, what, what does that mean?
1: So, so basically, my remit, as well as uh, leading the team here in the Northern Baptist Association, has been to uh, transition it into something relevant for the 21st century. Hmm. So, the trustees noted that they, that they needed to do something different, but didn't know what that was. Uh, so they called me uh, to to come and work that out with them.
0: Mm. Uh, and so to, like, how do you, that, I mean, that's a great opportunity. And I, I must confess when um, I saw the role, uh, I wondered if you'd be interested in it because of just how strategically you think and how creatively you think. Um, so that's a wonderful invitation. Uh, but what does that look like? How, how, how do you begin a process like that?
1: Well, and um, you begin a process by listening, listening in every form, and and actually you begin it there, but you definitely don't end it there. There's a there's a constant listening, I think, is is the underbed, and so we started by very intentionally listening to all voices, and um, but not just conventionally listening. We also listened through through our history, through reading minutes of meetings, um, listening to our previous documentation and publicity and, you know, how we communicated. So that gives you a picture of where you're at, and where people want to go. Um, and then the tough part, isn't it? So you've then got to take that listening and distill it into something. Mm. And so very early on, uh, we did about three, three months of listening in that intentional stage. Mm. And then we held that listening. Okay, because when you listen, you bring out the good, the bad, the indifferent, sometimes the ugly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so we held that. Uh, And and in doing so, we then said actually some of this stuff we need to apologize for, even if it was unintentional. Um, And then we moved to a different way of functioning, saying actually that kind of um, old school model of a few leaders that have got all the answers. Wasn't necessarily where we needed to go, but to go back to our Baptist roots in a modern sense of having some values that permeated who we were. So it became much about who we were and how we facilitate rather than who we were as leaders. So that's where we got to.
0: Uh, I love the thought of listening to your history because I think often when people think about discerning or you know, vision. It's all about the next. It's all about the new or the current need or solving something. But the thought of not just listening to, to the current, but really trying to delve into. Um, and I love the thought that minutes actually get read. I mean, that's a fantastic
2: <laughs> <It's> a rarity.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah. So there was there was deep listening uh, and there was there was acknowledgement. And then then what was next?
1: So next was our um apology. So just one of those things about minutes, right? So for me, you you see a lot of unconscious bias and conscious bias in church minutes, right? In in minutes. So very quickly we were able to see that women's voices were being silenced throughout our history. Mm-hmm. Like like so so that, you know, we love but actually there's a real seriousness that they're historic documents, right? They tell us who we are. Mm-hmm. So once we worked out that and who we wanted to be, we then moved to values and we uh presented those and shared those um with. Uh, the the kind of wider team uh and by team I mean churches ministers everyone because we're all part of this uh people really felt they could buy into it because they owned it because they could hear in the new values oh that's my voice coming through mm-hmm. because that's what I shared so there were some real similarities and that's where God's beautiful and wonderful unifying spirit works right mm-hmm. so although people phrased it in different ways there was like actually we we're all saying we wanted some of that we we're all saying, that so then we went to move our structural thing so once we've worked out who we were and what we wanted to be we then said right, how do we get a structure that fully enables this Mm. and in doing so what we did is we widened the staff team um and we we call them facilitators so we have facilitators for different things very intentionally so you spend ages on words don't you we thought we don't want them to be coordinators we don't want them to be ministers Actually, we want them to be facilitators, right? They're not the expert. Mm. They are someone that has a particular skill set at bringing others in, right? So, how do we associate in this? So, from the outset, their role is a collaborative one rather than an authoritarian one. Mm. So, that's the structure we, we've got to. And now we're just at the end tomorrow, well, at, at the point of filming this, this may go out once we've announced it. And mm. um, we will then. Um, the new team leader who will replace me and again that's that's a shift isn't it so lots of people are like why aren't you staying on and and that was a possibility but for me it felt right to say actually that's not mine to do Mm -hmm. and so actually now we have um someone that is being called to the specific needs of the team as a whole and the association as a whole so so yeah that's the kind of and their role is to embed right not not to enshrine but to embed the values and flex around and pivot with that
0: sounds hmm. uh, amazing I'm, There's so much in that be great to dive into but one thing that particularly struck me um was how helpful it was perhaps to have an outside pair of eyes like right, to, to have you arrive because uh, at, at the same time, it's quite a difficult thing, isn't it, to arrive as part of a team and say, "Oh, hi, I'm here for change." <laughs> mm-hmm. That's quite a difficult thing, but quite a gift to the team to have a fresh pair of eyes looking through minutes, like, you know, talking, listening. Um, that'd be something really healthy. I just thought about that.
1: Yeah, not everyone's seen it as a gift, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. So um and some people have been uh, really rude in that. <laughs> like, like, like absolutely and, and they are hopeful that we will spring back to to what we were before. Mm. Because when you when you enlarge a team, when you when you create facilitation, when you create collaboration, that means some people have got to let go of power, right? Mm. And not everyone wants to do that. And sometimes you have to have those difficult conversations to say actually where 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 is our power? Mm. Um But I think, yeah, so so the idea was, but what we had to work at, so some people thought I was coming as some outside consultant, right, that I was just going to observe from a distance. But we noticed very early on, well, I kind of always knew you can't, you can't transition from a distance, right? So you can make observations from a distance, Mm -hmm. but transition, you need to be modeling what you're trying to communicate. So it's all very well pointing out. For example, um, women's voices are being silenced in this sphere. It's all very well me observing that, but actually the key to transition is modeling. How do I facilitate other voices, women's voices into this space mm. and not just mine? Right. Yeah. So, so actually there's so there was an element of while we're doing this observing and, and almost you know strategic stuff we also had the opportunity by me being the team leader to embed and model what we were talking about at the same time. So actually it's been done that way before but actually this is this is a different way of doing it.
0: Yeah no that, that, that's really great and um, I'd love to dive into and perhaps we'll come back to this uh, or another day the whole idea of leadership as facilitation as well rather than expert uh, expertise. I, I, I love the thought of that. Uh, but there's a sort of a, a nice segue there to bring uh, Andy in, because uh, okay. one of the things uh, Andy's been um, doing in the day week that he's offered to us as a church uh, has been being part of leadership conversations and supporting uh, me rather personally. I didn't know if he knew he'd, uh, that was part of it, but um, it's it's been great. Uh, but he's also brought uh, a, a, a pair of fresh eyes, and that's been really, really helpful. And occasionally, Andy, you'll just say to me. So why don't we ever or why does this need to be done that way and uh, the trouble is once you are so embedded in a culture you don't you don't see that and and so that's uh, that's been really helpful Uh, but andy why don't you just um share with us how how did it come about that you spent a day a week um sort of supporting other churches and um yeah what does that look like what have you been able to do
2: well i think it it started by god's great humor in guiding me away from church life as ministry Mm. and putting me in a hospital or hospitals rather than basing me full time in a in a community of faith and it's been a weird journey for me because it's it really birthed out I suppose of of several factors coming into play at once so i would often had conversations with people who said yeah we, we believe you're called to ministry we we believe you're called full time but you've got something that it, it it can't really be contained or placed in just one place and working within Baptist structures, that that's not something that necessarily beds easily because you're always in this kind of dating game with the church, you know, this going to them and saying, please love me for me, because I'm I'm here to bless you, and they either do or they don't. So there was that. And then, yeah, just really to to follow on from what Haley said, there was a 27-year management. Uh, kind of journey that god took me through as well again weirdly because it's not where i expected to be uh coming out of sort of waste and environment but for the last 17 years of my career i was put in the environment agency and natural resources wales that had this massive focus on training Uh, so i was dealing with contentious sites so lots of facilitation training how do you engage with people that are completely uh against anything going anywhere how do you how do you draw out the voices that are maybe being silenced by the shouters uh how do you bring about change how do you help people to own change mm. so that it actually births something beautiful rather than contentious so so there was all that going on and then there was this uh this final piece which was Ending up in the NHS, working as a hospital chaplain, which meant that in four days a week, I was beautifully well paid so that I didn't need to earn money on the fifth day. Mm. So all those three things kind of came together. And and as I was struggling with what to do with my, my good wife, Jan, kind of saying, well, maybe you should give a day a week away. Maybe you should use these gifts that God has given you to to do something in the local church. Uh, And I then got a message from a guy who used to be in our youth group back in the early 90s, who kind of went, hey, I'm pastoring a church, it's near you, we're going through a change of leadership. And out of that then came this one day a week, which I can just give away. Uh, I'm working with a, a church up near Capilly, and and a conversation then with the regional ministry team saying, "Well, yeah, I've got this one day. Where where would you see it focused?" And from that, I've then gone through a few churches now where I've ended up weirdly in my home church, helping my home church to do stuff. But hey, God God knows His plans. So so that's kind of how I've I've ended up in this. This kind of one day a week for the association, four days a week for the NHS sort of role,
0: and it's fascinating, isn't it, how God leads us? I think hardly any of us go through an experience thinking this is going to be really useful in some sort of future. <laughs> 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 so often, you know, discernment in reverse, isn't it? It's, it's hindsight, kind of, and yeah. listening to God, which is fascinating. Uh, and so could you give us just a glimpse of of, of what that's meant in, in certain places, the kind of things that you've been able to help with
2: and support? Oh, goodness, yeah. It, it's gone from everything from spending the best part of three months wading through historic documents, old minutes of meetings, uh, filing cabinets full of sales brochures and training courses and market materials and trying to bring some sense to it but also trying to to go through and say look this is foundational for who you are as a as a community so so these are documents that you really need to think about keeping properly and so you have access to them and others are going through saying well actually know that you can you know you don't need the 15 sales catalogues for you know a, a stationary company that's still in the plastic bags that somebody just put in a filing cabinet so, so there's been some of that sorting through to helping people build processes and procedures so they know what they're to do. So the that catalogue doesn't stay in the plastic bag. It gets opened if it's needed. If not, somebody contacts the company and says, stop sending me this stuff. Okay. And that's gone all the way through then to rewriting of constitutions, in implementing things like safeguarding policies and procedures, uh, reviewing how... Um, yeah, reviewing how structures function how the church meeting functions and bringing that kind of challenge that says you really want to vote on that but you don't want to vote on that uh, how how did you get to that answer so really it, it does come down to as Haley was expressing it's it's not an observation role because hmm. if you're standing out of it you're you're too detached from it hmm. but it's very much a facilitation role of trying to hear what what not only the leadership team, but what others are saying to say, how how is this community going forwards in faith? How are they going to reach the the goals that God is setting them and then helping them to find ways to achieve those kinds of goals? Hmm. So, so that's been the kind of broad thrust of it. And that's, uh, yes, it's been as broad as emptying garages of rubbish and fixing a drainage problem that had gone on for 15 years at the back of a building. Hmm. Through to sitting down with the leadership team, going through constitutionally who they need to be mm. in order to allow the voices that are meaningful, so everybody's voices, to actually be heard rather than the select few that will will dominate the conversation. Mm.
0: It's kind of fascinating the the the, um, the link that you both sort of highlighted uh, between sort of proximity. And leadership uh, the um, the role of the leader that sits in the sort of executive office and just you know <laughs> this is what we need to do um but what was interesting to me it sort of chimed with you know, jesus's words um i am among you as one who serves." um but there's a strange irony for me that as christians we look to jesus for an example and inspiration in so many areas but hardly ever when it comes to leadership you know christian books have got on leadership will take you to Moses or Joshua uh, or Paul sometimes. Hardly ever uh, we think about Jesus as a leader and, and try to learn from him. And uh, that's quite a core problem I think sometimes. Um, so when it comes to, to leadership, why would you say that getting it right matters I mean clearly both of you sp- have spent a lot of time looking at this question in different contexts different ways why is it important to get the leadership team leadership style structure wh- why does it matter
1: well we can't we can't forget the context in which we're speaking right so we're recording this on the 2nd of May uh we we know in our news that that Mike Pellett had to step back from Soul Survivor for leadership kind of issues and safeguarding issues, and if you've been affected by that, you need to uh, really go and seek out help uh, and guidance. Mm. Uh, we've got massive uh, blow up with Hillsong in Australia. Mm. We've got uh, blow ups in mega churches in America. So getting leadership right is about accountability, right? And it's about bringing honor to the gospel. Mm. So. You know, I know I could get quite arrogant. <laughs> I could be like, I'm really good at this. I can I can just sit here and do this quite naturally. Um, but that's obviously wrong. But you be, you know, but we're human. So actually getting leadership right, and I guess I want to buff back on the word right. I don't know the correct word to use, but um doing leadership well, I guess. In order to do leadership well, we need to surround ourselves with people that hold us accountable and allow for the difference because when we when we don't do that that's when we buff seeking jesus's style of leadership because ultimately that's sacrificial right that's why there's no massive books written on it because it's about giving up power it's not about consuming power Uh, and that's why we don't like it (laughs) like like we want to look at the 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 guy that led people out of slavery right That, That that's where we want to go we don't want to give up the power so i think for me that's why these conversations around leadership are so healthy because we can see recently and in history where it goes wrong and that's all around for me accountability so creating leadership structures that enable us to be accountable is really key Mm. yeah
2: and, and it's that it is that aspect isn't it that humanly we like to look to the you know, the good looking, the tall, the powerful, the dynamic that's striding out in front and saying, follow me. Mm. But we saw that with folk like Saul, and we know how that played out. It's the, everybody looked around, he looks like a king, great, let's follow him.
1: Mm.
2: But that's not the leadership you see of Jesus. The leadership of, of Jesus is amongst, it's it's mixed in, it's a It's a leading from the middle, not striding out in front and not necessarily at the back kind of herding people, but it's actually a leadership amongst. It's within. It's a it is a conversation. It's almost like a walking meeting where you go from A to B, and rather than uh, having a fixed outcome, you, you say, well, what would it look like if we were in a different place in a few years' time? And you stroll with each other, and you have different packets of, of, of chats, and and then at the end of it, you say, well, what does that mean for us? It, 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 it's a gentle leading where we're all trying to hear God's voice rather than the loudest voice, you know, because like Haley, I mean, I got certainly early on in my career, I got told I was arrogant um, because I was dealing with a technical area, and I knew my stuff. You yeah, know, I, I can still, 30 years later, quote from Waste Management Paper 26 to tell you how to run a landfill site, Waste Management Paper 27 on how to extract landfill gas. I can do it. I'm sad enough that I can do it. But that was like hard knowledge. That was simple. That was you do this or you don't do this. This works, this doesn't. But we're not talking about that kind of thing when we're talking about the Church of God. Yeah. We're We're talking about this this organic every member having something to do with the mission of god every every person bringing value and if we're in that environment then there are no meaningless voices other than those that seek to exhibit their own power and their own control because those are the ones that we've got to be really careful of
0: Hmm. i think um to land on that it, it is very very powerful and i think what you're saying about the timing of this conversation is exactly right that accountability is uh is so key to leadership uh and i think it's something that gets sort of you know gets mentioned it's something that gets gets highlighted um but we don't often sort of create those intentional spaces you know I'm, i want to invite you to hold me accountable i mean those, those are words that hardly ever ever get said and uh why why do you think that is you know if it's something that we see in jesus if it's meant to be so um core to the dna of what it means to follow jesus why is there such a gap do you think between that and and what we see in leadership today
2: i think some of it is that human nature playing out Hmm. but also a lot of it is to do with the kind of people that we bring onto leadership teams because it can get You know certainly my experience is very often oh there's phyllis or there's bob they've been in the church for 30 years they're lovely people let's make them an elder or there's somebody it's never or that's not true that's not fair it's rarely about gifting in that kind of area It, it it often feels to me in my experience anyway a bit like a popularity contest who are the people that we like and then they get a taste of power even if it's very very slight and that then leads to a culture where you end up building something where nobody is willing to say hang on a second that doesn't sound right and there's your recipe for disaster that that's why leadership is so very important the shape of leadership is so very important you need the awkward so-and-sos who will say hang on a minute are you sure but we don't often view those as a blessing yeah
1: so so one of the things one of the big changes we made in the northern balance association is every year we commit to doing a culture review so this Mm -hmm. is part of the ongoing listening so literally a survey goes out going you know how well do you think we're committing to our values what feedback do you want to give how's your interaction with the regional team been what's that been like and and some of that right so some people use that as an opportunity to to be right we just we just accept that other people actually go, actually, I, I feel like I've been silenced or or I've been ignored here. Other people say, actually, this is really good. But what it means is it means that we as a leadership, we as trustees are holding loosely our own power and control mm. and saying, actually, we want to see God move. We want to be better. Um, and not just so that we can grow a mega church. We want to be better because we want to be Christ-like. Mm, we want to we want to model that now the reason we don't do that is because sometimes that means I have to face up to the fact that I'm not perfect right (laughs) that that I don't always act in the best way that actually sometimes are I react in a way that maybe doesn't allow someone to flourish Mm. and actually that's hard isn't it it's hard to hold a mirror up to your own behavior. It's so much easier to do it for other people, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're quite happy to do that, yeah. but actually to say, actually, what is there something in me that is not allowing people to flourish? Because mm. we want to do that, because we want to go from one degree of glory to another and all of those things, mm. but we model it. So do we as ministers, are we training ministers to actually be reflective with their leadership teams? as a whole. That's actually how we're doing. Now, please, I know that if you're a leader that hears this, you go, yeah, but you don't know my leadership team, right? We've all got those people. And therefore, it takes a maturity of actually you're not just having a pop because you don't like a personality thing is something so uh, Eugene Peterson in, in Ephesians translates it as being robust in love together. Right. How do we be robust in love? That, that's my aim. I've, I've not got the answer to it, but I think that's the core. If we as leaders model what it means to be robust in love, then it helps for when we're looking for elections for elders, deacons and all of those, because we've we've said this is who we are and this is what we want to be. We want to be accountable. We're, we're submitting to that it, and it goes against society. Right. It goes against church culture of of you know leader at the front but I think that's that's so key and that's why we don't yeah why we don't always do it.
2: But also I think it's really important with the the cultural review you're doing, which I think is fabulous by the way. I think it's a wonderful thing to be doing mm. that that holding loosely we so often expect immediate results. We so often sit there and go, right, here we go, we've done it now this will be brilliant. And then you get the feedback and you go, wow, oh, this is a bit painful. Uh, I can remember having some 360 feedback about my performance as a manager some years ago. And I, you know, I found it really quite damaging because some people, as you say, took it as an opportunity to to highlight my imperfections in a way that I didn't find particularly helpful. It wasn't they didn't need to be raised, but I reacted personally, which was a wrong reaction on my part. But this holding it loosely, we, we kind of forget that there there's a building trust with the process that the first few years that you run it, the first few times that you go down this avenue, lots of people will be standing back and going, hang on, this is new. This is different. It didn't used to be like this. Will they really listen? So there'll be quite a large number of people that will step back a bit and go, well, I'm just going to be a bit cautious because I've been burnt by this kind of thing before. And yet it's exactly the right thing to do because that that iterative cyclical listening is precisely what we need to do to enable uh, uh any kind of leadership to function well because that is asking the questions then who whose voice is dominating and whose voice is being silenced who who's taking who's joining us on the journey actually and and who's trying to take us off on a different path so yeah, you know, it there's something as well but i think about that robust love is something about a resilience that we allow Christ to put in us that says I'm willing to hear the painful truths and the painful half-truths because in it there is the opportunity for others to speak truth in a way that enables us to go forward so it is sacrificial you know it's Christ's suffering is that is that bit we're reflecting there
0: Hayley mentioned earlier about uh, maturity and I think Andy what you were talking about there is having the kind of maturity uh, that allows you to be able to sometimes um engage with yes what you've said the way that you've said it was really really painful that doesn't mean there wasn't any truth in it yeah, and, yeah, and, to and to try and have that robustness um it is it, going to be essential I think for for listening uh I I, I hadn't really fully before we started this process fully realised that we thought we were just talking about leadership structure but actually that took us right back to what we want to do as a church who we want to be and so the the whole idea of uh, of the culture of the church has been asked you know a few times of us and uh, i've asked it as well as we've, as we've gone through this process uh, and that really is what has led me to the title sort of being led by love uh, and we were talking before we got started uh recording today uh, just about how strange it is that the word leadership and the word love hardly ever get used in the same sort of sentence um which is a really really sad thing so like how do you respond to the phrase led by love what, what does that mean to you and well yeah why is that so much harder than just having a, <laughs> a really clear sort of strap light or structure i think i yeah
1: i've got two reactions to it so my first is you know indeed but led by love you, you it feels a little wishy-washy, doesn't it, right, So, so there's an element, like, forgive me, like, that you just think, oh, is it, but what we forget is we see leadership as transactional, right, I make this decision, you do this, or then I do this, and we, and actually, the Gospels, Jesus amongst us, teaches us that leadership is relational, we can make the same things about faith, faith is not uh, transactional it's relational so so after I've buffed around my oh it feels wishy-washy you come back to actually it's leadership out of relationship mm. and so and not like don't get me wrong we know as leaders that that phrase is often abused you know so I'll befriend you in order to get you to do what I want right but but true relationship means that actually we are journeying together And as we talk and chew this over and and mull this over, my view may be changed as you were changed in your sharing with me. So so there there is this vulnerability Mm. within it that actually I think is key, but it buffs against everything current church culture tells us leadership is. It comes back to what Andy said, you know, you know, the good looking person going out. the front. I, I think I still am those characteristics, but I just may not be out the front. You know, so I think kind of buffing that because also people kind of expect it. Yeah. So the amount of times I've been told by congregations, we just lead. We pay you to lead. Right. So just lead. And so they see it as maybe you shirking your responsibilities. But what you're trying to do is empower the culture so it's not celebrity or pastor led and and we sometimes think of that big churches it happens in small churches as well let's not fool ourselves everything hones on that one person so I think that's why leading by love is so so important because it it offers a vulnerability but I think we buff against it because of those reasons that it leads us to vulnerability
2: And, and that's a really important point that that idea of the the person up the front on a pedestal in whatever because I I have experienced too many times uh, church ministries built on that kind of personality where it's all about one person doing it rather than this organism doing it so as soon as that person leaves or is removed everything around it falls apart because there's no resilience within the system that the, you know the the community they there going well where's our leader gone what do we now do we and, and they, they become like a flock without a shepherd whereas we get this beautiful picture of Jesus of when he is working with his disciples he's leading them but he's also developing them he's also growing their hearts he's growing their faith he's he's directing them into his way of doing things which should now be our way of doing things which is not look at me I'm the best you know, Jesus was gave pretty short shrift to James and John when they kind of said, "Oh, come on, put us in the positions of power." And he's going, "You've got no clue what you're asking for." It, it, it's it's this beauty that comes from facilitating of growing others. That means when when an individual leaves the community because of being called to other work or being uh, having to move because of work or, or whatever. The mission of God doesn't get derailed in any way, shape or form, because everybody still owns it. Everybody still says this is what we're passionate about. And everybody still says we can do this because it's not about an individual. It's about us. Mm -hmm. And surely that's the most Baptist way of doing anything, isn't it? It's meant to be all about us doing together, not John as my pastor, you doing everything. And I'm just going to sit in the background and go, I like that, but I don't like that. You know, it's... it's a completely different way of being and it all fangs out of that love and I don't think it needs friendship either I can love people I don't like I can love people who are really awkward and difficult and keep on doing things that to me are so frustrating but if I love them I give them space to to appropriately engage so that you look and go well what is at the root of this because mm. that's that i think is the other thing that be leading with love leading with that desire for the best of all and the best of the individuals it's about going deeper than the surface it's not about just going what the the surface causes i was trying to get down to the root cause what you know what's happening here uh is this an issue of heart or is this an issue of character or Or is this an issue where you're hearing God in a clearer way than I am? Mm. So therefore, I now need to submit myself to God's will in a different way and go, okay, I I best listen then. Mm. And I don't think God puts um, grit in the oyster uh, with just thinking of getting a bigger ball of grit. There's always a bigger purpose in it. So I always sit there and go, there there are definitely pearls of wisdom out there.
0: And and that's got to be part of the culture shift, doesn't it? Because I think... So often the need for leadership, a call to leadership, the um, demands of leadership are about, let's just keep this thing running. You know, let's just keep, uh, we need you know, a bigger team for this. or we need more resources for that, or uh, let's solve this, this sort of next problem rather than starting the other way around. What, what is God saying? What's the call of God? What's the gift of the Holy Spirit within in the church? And then how do we, you know, as leaders facilitate that? rather than try and knock it into a shape that uh, keeps the church thing going. So that when God calls somebody to another place, another role, um, there isn't a sense of, oh, we're feeling bereft now. The culture is we can celebrate that because we were blessed because of the call of God, not because of the need uh, or or the, the the sort of the, I don't know, the, the, what do they call it, a marriage of convenience. But the culture of God is at work and we just want to support that
2: i mean certainly some of the things that i feel as a leader i could celebrate the most was when i saw people leave for all the right reasons leave so their faith would grow leave leave so their gifting could be used more fully i i think i saw more 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 reasons for celebration sometimes when things stopped than when things started because it it was a redirecting towards what God was wanting rather than just that continuing that iterative, I'm just gonna do this because we've always done it, and then we've stopped it, we can start it again, but we're just gonna call it a different name, but it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, it it it's so freeing because you end up in a position where you are no longer bound by what has happened. You're you're informed by it, you're you're fed by it but it's how 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 is God at work in doing these things that are not simply there to do those things, but to build, build us up ready for the next things that will take us in a different direction. Mm. So, you know, there's it, such joy when people achieve their potential in God, and maybe not with us, mm. maybe in a different place.
1: I think that's it and I think it's so so key isn't it that releasing I remember you know when I was a pastor in church I used to love it when actually I was doing nothing on a Sunday because actually you're raising people up and you know for me that's always a signal you know my role is to equip the saints so actually when you're not needed, you work yourself out of your role and then you go actually God's calling me on some somewhere else I think one of the keys though in leading in love means it's not about you right yeah so that's the key. So we've talked a lot about us and the kind of internal things of of church, mm-hmm. but actually, if a church is being led by love, they're always going to be thinking of the other. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be putting other people's needs. you know, we've got that wonderful description of love is isn't it? you know, in Corinthians it's patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast. So actually, if we're leading with that as the center, It no longer becomes about us and maintaining a structure that we really love and has served us well it becomes about actually what what how does this serve the wider community how does this serve the others and i think that's also the other key isn't it um if you're leading by love it's not all about you
0: i
2: I can remember a really uh, a dearly departed saint she must have been in the 80s when I was doing youth work in Rubina. And they would kind of transitioned the services to include drums and guitars, as well as cellos and violins. Like I remember her sidling up to me at the end of a service, I think it was a youth service that we'd done, where we would caused controversy by taking the collection in hard hats rather than collection plates, you know, dreadful, we're doing story of Nehemiah and building and it was almost heresy. But this, this, Beautiful old lady came up to me and said, Andy, I hate the drums. I think they're an abomination. But if they bring people into this church, then God bless them and use them. And that for me was just such a beautiful example of what you're just saying, Haley, of somebody going, This is not about my likes and preferences. This is nothing to do with what I want. It is absolutely to do with what God wants and what will grow his kingdom.
0: Mm-hmm amazing well that seems like a great place to just draw it to a close but thank you so much both for your time i know andy you're on call today which is why you're in part uniform so <laughs> thanks for putting this in and hayley you're about to move so less, less quiet relaxed time for you so so thank you so much guys it's been really good to talk mm-hmm.
2: Dan, thank you